This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. You know what? I was thinking about in the, in the break. Has there ever been a coaching position, which is not the head coach, which is not the manager in baseball, has there ever been an assistant coaching role in this town that has ever gotten more scrutiny than the Jets' offensive coordinators? I mean, I can think back. It's, it's a consistent lightning rod of criticism and, uh, and, 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 and anger. I mean, from, from, uh, from, from Mike LaFleur, Brian Schottenheimer back in the day. I mean, I can remember taking calls about Paul Hackett. Remember Paul Hackett or Mike Heimerdinger? What was the guy with Gase? Uh, Dowell Loggins? I mean, it, it, it seems like I don't remember the last offensive coordinator that people liked with the Jets. I guess when Parcells was here, right? Who was it then? Dan Henning? I think it might have been Dan Henning. But, man, that, I, think about it. Like, you can have problems with the Yankee hitting coach, I guess, when the team doesn't hit, right? Or, or, or the pitching coach of this team or that team. But, I mean, for an assistant coaching position to be, like, recognizable right away as, as one that is just going to almost always bring about criticism Hard to top the Jets' offensive coordinator, greatest hits. There's a, there's a lot of bangers on that list. I can tell. That's like Billy Joel at the Garden. You know you're going in. You're going to get 30 bangers. That, that's the Jets' offensive coordinators. There's going to be, a, instead of bangers, it's banging against the wall. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Mark is on Long Island. Mark, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, how you doing, sir? Hey, Mark. What's going on, pal? Not much. Um... One of the things that really made me optimistic about this season was finally getting a head coach that instilled confidence, instilled discipline. You know, ever since Tom Coughlin, after McAdoo and Shermer and Joe Judge, which were all disasters in my opinion, it's nice to have Babel teach these young kids all right, this is how we do things, and if you're not ready to play my way or play the right way, you're out. Now, I remember reading in 16, once we made the wild card game, Odell and the boys went on the cruise. Right. And then you look at the next day, and no one caught a ball. It was no surprise that they came out flat. And I think – the mindset change is finally there. I mean, obviously you need the number one receiver, as you were saying. But I think if we can mitigate the mistakes tomorrow, force Cousins into making bad throws, get pressure on him, I think Jones has proven he's done enough this year to be our guy for the future. And I, I'm very optimistic that we'll come out tomorrow with a win. What do you All right, think? Mark. Yeah, I mean, I, I can I, I can completely see that. I mean, I don't even know, and thanks for the phone call, I don't even know necessarily that it's like, oh, you got to sack uh, Kirk Cousins this amount. Of, you just have to get after it. You have to make him uncomfortable. We've seen in times, you know, any quarterback, you start to make them uncomfortable, those throws start sailing, and uh, the turnover battle, I do think anytime it's going to be a playoff game, that's going to be big, and, and you, you certainly expect however the Giants and Vikings game is going to go, it's going to be a close game. 
So if that's if that's going to be the case, then yeah, turnovers are going to play even a, a larger role. You know, if it's a blowout, you can afford one or two. Uh, but I don't expect the the Vikings to blow out the Giants. I don't expect the Giants to uh, blow out the Vikings. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, I need a lady Stephon Gordon Damage. Show. Good to see you. Uh, no, I'm good. You guys are Richard. okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye, Richard. Bye bye. Bye bye, Richard. What was Richard doing? Has he got like multiple phone lines going on over there? Sounded like he was having a whole conversation. Yeah, he, he sounded like he was having like a conference call or something. I don't, I'm not exactly sure what Richard was doing over there. Uh, let's go out to uh, Buddha is in the Bronx. Buddha, next up on the Gordon Dammer Show. Buddha. <laughs> Richard is always a treat. He you is. <laughs> I enjoy Richard. He, he's entertaining. I mean, you yeah, have to I, I'm just glad he was talking to somebody else. Sometimes I wonder if Richard's just talking to himself, you know? Nah, it's not like he was working. He did. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know, listen, Gordon, man. You know, you said about tomorrow as a Jets fan. You know, being oh. you know feeling hurt. You ain't got to wait till tomorrow. Right now, you could turn on the TV and you can see a guy who was drafted. He was a great prospect. He was drafted. Got a bad coach. Got rid of the bad coach, got him a good coach. All of a sudden, he looks great. Then you can see he's across the field from him, a guy who's a great player, doesn't have the right coach at all, and still is performing. So you get the best of both worlds there, which, you know, directly goes into what you're talking about, about how the Jets offensive coordinators have been under scrutiny since they've been here. You know why? Because they've never had a quarterback to work with. <laughs> I mean, it's not really that complicated, man. You know, I'm a guy. You know, Joe Douglas, you know, you admit it. Larry admits it. Nobody else on his station admits it. The fact of him being considered doing a great job here is an absolute mirage. You know, you came in with a bad coach. Then you hired a bad coach. <laughs> you picked the wrong quarterback. And the whole time you've been here, the offensive line has been horrible. So only question I have to ask is, when I spoke to Anita before you, she said the Jets' job is attractive to a quarterback and an offensive coordinator. And I asked the question to you, Gordon, Why? As an offensive coordinator, I don't know who the quarterback's going to be here. You're likely not going to get the best of the bunch. And then as a quarterback, when I look at all of this stuff that's going on here, Derek Carr, no matter, do you think, if you ask Derek Carr, where would his preferred destination be to go? It would be to come work under an embattled head coach who's probably going to lose his job next year, a cold-weather climate when he's a California guy, and then a, a town with heavy media scrutiny with an organization to whether it's the draft or free agency is constantly looking for a quarterback to be their savior rather than hire the right people to get a quarterback to be functional. It's a mess. And people sit here and keep trying to say in the station that it's not. This this defense, this great defense that can't cover a tight end, linebackers can't cover, uh, they're good against the pass, I'll give them that, but they can't stop the run. This, let's, let's call it for what it is. We're in a bad, just a bad spot as when Joe Douglas got here. Yeah, well, look, Buddha, I, I will disagree with that. I won't say that, and thanks for the phone call. Uh, I think they're in a better spot. They do have some pieces here. Uh, when when Joe Douglas took over, I, I don't really think that they had many pieces at all. Uh, the the duo of Idzik and McCagden left the, the cupboard pretty bare. But you're right. I mean, look, Joe Douglas has has compiled some pieces here. Love Sauce Gardner, uh, like Garrett Wilson. You know, they're, they're, they're Vera Tucker when he was healthy, Brees Hall. I, I get it. 
uh, but it's about building a team. Uh, and 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 you're still missing at the the most important positions. Now, look, I think the Jets are uh, appealing or are more appealing than they might have been a few years ago because they do have some weapons on offense. They do have some players, but you're right. I mean, you're, you're talking about a team going into next year with the coach on the hot seat, uh, an offensive line, which I'm sure they'll make a bunch of moves like they've made a bunch of moves here the last couple of off seasons, whether or not, you know, and they'll all get praised. You know, when they drafted Mekhi Becton, oh, my God, the Jets, they got Mekhi Becton. And, you know, really, there hasn't been a whole lot of praise since then. When they got Tomlinson, I thought that that was a good move. It hasn't really worked out. So uh, it's, it's a more appealing spot than it has been in years past. But here's the thing. I think people are getting messed up about the offensive coordinator. The Jets' next offensive coordinator does not matter. The Jets' next quarterback matters. That should be the focus. The next Jets' offensive coordinator I don't know who they're going to get. It should not be any part of fixing Zach Wilson. That is not the goal. Stop it now. That does that. If Zach Wilson gets fixed down the road, fantastic. But when they go looking for an offensive coordinator, you know what I don't want? I don't want a mentor. I don't want a guru. I don't want a specialist. I don't want a quarterback whisperer. I need somebody who's got a track record of success, calling plays, who can work with the next quarterback to maximize the offense. That's it. That's all. I'm not the next guy, his relationship with Zach Wilson, I don't care at all. If you get anything from Zach Wilson from this point forward, hallelujah. Go play the Powerball. The time spent catering to the second overall pick is over. If he ever develops away from the bright, bright lights, when he gets if he gets a chance, fantastic. But the next offensive coordinator is just, to me, secondary to who they get at quarterback. The, the quarterback is the question. They got to go out and get somebody with a track record. There's some guys available. Joe Douglas better get on the horn, figure out some cap space because they're not going to be cheap if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, if it's Derek Carr, whoever it's going to be. If it's going to be a trade with somebody for somebody that we don't know right now, whoever it's going to be, that has to be. The, they got to get the quarterback right. And if they get the quarterback right, well, then it'll be a whole lot easier to find the offensive coordinator. But you got to have a plan to get the quarterback. There, there might be something that all those people that I mentioned about the quarterback position and, and the offensive coordinator position, maybe it's because the Jets really haven't had any good quarterbacks that those guys have all failed. That might be part of it as well. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. All right, let's get some more phone calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to uh, Omar is in Brooklyn. Omar, what's going on, my how friend? Are, how are you guys now? Pretty I'm, good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I know you're doing great. you got a, basically a bye week tomorrow, facing off against a third-string quarterback at home. Calm down. Dude, this is playoffs. Don't try to. Well, look, if the Dolphins were to somehow win that game, that would be the greatest upset in the history of the NFL playoffs. Yeah, but the great. Buster Douglas did beat Mike Tyson. Does it happen? That's why you watch sports. Oh, yeah. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Even Sunday, anything tomorrow, anything today. That's why you play games. That's why you Mm. watch. That's that's the live entertainment. You would never expect anything uh, that day. So that's why you watch sports. This is not a, a pre-planned sh- uh, game. It's a live event. Anything can happen. Anybody can get injured. Anything can happen. So that's why you watch sports. Uh, two thing questions before I uh, make my rant on four players on New York City. For, first, uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, 
do uh, you uh, who is better uh, first Camelo Anthony if he ever goes to Philadelphia 76er or Brooklyn Nets does the New York Knicks should retire his number no. that's my question no. huh that is a no. No. Okay. okay. Uh, so my my sons are fighting with me. Oh, they know the Philadelphia 76ers is not a rivalry. They haven't inflamed. I said, no. Philadelphia, Boston, or Brooklyn Nets. These three teams, if he ever play, the Cavallo Anthony number should not be retired as a Knicks. Oh, no, I, but I, even if he doesn't play for those teams, I don't think his number should be retired. I, no, getting I, I your number think... retired is a very exclusive thing, which has to be about, you know, big-time success. You know, Patrick Ewing gets his number retired, not Carmelo Anthony. Patrick Ewing's number is retired already. I know, I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's why he's, he got to retire, because he had, he had actual yeah, but success. But he, he's the best know? Nick after Patrick Ewing in the last 25, 30 years. Yeah, but enough. they haven't had many. But just because you're the best one doesn't mean you, ha- you that you deserve it. I mean, you have to be, you'd have to have more success than he had here. Okay. He came here. It was supposed to be about deep playoff runs, and there were no deep playoff runs. Okay. Uh, Well, my question about uh, Iman quickly. Iman quickly is becoming. I I regard him that he has the most potential uh, in all of the next young talent, and he he's a today's type of player. He can dribble. He can hit a three. He's a great. He has. He is becoming a great defensive player on the ball. He Mm -hmm. is improving day by day. Two-way player, absolutely. A two-way player, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, people, a lot of stories about Ryuming. They don't want to, uh, they want to trade him for a first-round pick. They're not trading him. Uh, Or do you want right now what the Knicks are? On the upgrade on, uh, people are remembering maybe Barrett uh, quickly at a first round, uh, two or three first round pick for Paul George. That makes you a better. Uh, is any type of team that the player that I think I will stay with this team and re- uh, stay with that or whatever Obi Toppin can do or you will get a trade out of Obi Toppin. But that is, uh, I would stay with this. If I don't want to get an up straight. I think Brunson is becoming number one. Uh, slowly and steady, I want to do, uh, see this team develop and w- wait. I don't want to make a blockbuster trade, uh, a 30 years old, a 31 years old uh, trade deadline, and it doesn't work out. I'd rather stay with this team. And OB Toppen, I want to trade only for this reason, that OB Toppen needs minutes with that other team. And if you can get a very good player out of him, because he's not going to get minutes here with Julius Randle. He's not. He's not going to upgrade. He, coming from 10, 15 minutes for the bench, he's not going to uh, grade up. Uh, for for his sake, uh, eighth overall, you get a very good player out of him. That's what you do. Obi Toppin is not getting minutes with Julius Randle here. Uh, so That's been pretty uh, well Where you stand with this. And now my picks on the, uh, NFL. Right. I pick uh, San Francisco. Just so you know. Go ahead, Omar. Huh? I, we're done. The Francisco. show is over at 6.30, but go ahead. I, I, I don't mean to rush San, out, San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, uh, I am straight. I think uh, I will take uh, Los Angeles uh, uh, Chargers. I will take okay. the Chargers. I will right, take Buffalo. I will take Giants over Minnesota in a close one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will take uh, Tampa Bay over Dallas and the Cincinnati and Baltimore 
It will. People are saying it's an easy game. Yep. They have six defensive players. This is going to be a hell of a fight because in last two and a half quarters on game last week, Baltimore basically shut the first for one and a half, and they have six defensive players that didn't play last week. They will be all in. Baltimore knows this team. This will be a hard fought game. This is not going to be an easy game. All right, so you got you got the you got the Bengals winning, but the the Ravens covering. Yes. All right. Yes. All right, Omar. Well, we'll see how those things turn out. I appreciate the phone call. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Now, look, that's, it's nice that we have Omar back in the fold. He's been disappeared for a very long time. Uh, not, I still have not gotten any real reasons for that. But the good thing is, is the Bills are going to win tomorrow, so we won't lose Omar. When the Bills, if the Bills were to lose, we lose Omar for minimum three months. He goes into hiding. He goes off the grid. He can't, uh, he, he wants everybody to kind of forget and I never forget. I have a very long memory about these type of things. Very long memory. But the good thing is that they're playing uh, essentially an exhibition game tomorrow. This is like a preseason game tomorrow that they're playing against the Dolphin team that, uh, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing how an organization like the Dolphins can ruin the play- make the playoffs and ruin the playoffs even before they get there. It's already ruined. You're, you're going with your third-string quarterback. And this is uh, the last time they made the playoffs, like, uh, what was it, 2016? They played with their backup quarterback. Now they've gone to their third string. Next time it's going to be just somebody they signed right off the street. What a disaster. What a disaster of an organization. They can ruin anything. And I was sitting on my couch last week uh, watching that Jet game, and I'm thinking to myself, do I, do I even want them to win? And I thought to myself, well, I want them to win because I like to make the playoffs, and at least for that week. I can kind of delude myself into thinking, you know what? I root for a respectable NFL team. We made the playoffs. We got in, even despite the losing skid, even despite all. And I don't even get the week. I find out Tuesday. Now two is out. Two is gone. He's not playing. So it's either going to be Teddy Bridgewater, who's terrible, or Skylar Thompson, who's worse. They can, they can ruin anything. Ruin anything. And uh, tomorrow will be absolutely ruined. Right at 1 o'clock. Right, right away. It will not be competitive. The last four playoffs, since the Dolphins won a playoff game 23 years ago, they have played four playoff games and have been outscored 104 to 24. None of the games have been even remotely close. And tomorrow will just be the latest chapter in that, uh, that long-running story. Long-running story. Uh, all right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Johnny is in Paramus. Johnny, what's going on, my man? Hey, how's it going, brother? Just want to ask you a quick question. What, what, do you, what amount of money do you think uh, Daniel Jones is, is due for, right, this uh, offseason? Well, I mean, look, it, it, the story's not over yet. Um, it's still going to kind of depend on how tomorrow goes. But according to the people who would know, it seems somewhere in the range of Three for 94 for, you know, like, like maybe t- somewhere between 25 and $30 million a season for three or four years. Gotcha. Yeah, my biggest issue is with that is uh, I don't think he would have a market if he would even test, right? So my biggest fear is, well, hopefully not. Joe Shane will probably bet against himself. I, I personally don't see a market. You know, you hear rumblings of Jets and stuff. But my thing is, listen, uh, he wasn't the guy they drafted – on top of that, I mean, only the difference between this year and, and previous years is less turnovers, right? I mean, yes, it's QBR is high, completion percentage is high, but it's not something, you know, that's bound to happen when a team has you throw less pass attempts than, than in previous times, right? You throw less, less than Yeah, but, I mean, he's been far more efficient when he has thrown, and the people that he's throwing to, it's, it's not exactly like household names. 
At the end of the day, man, those guys got drafted to get NFL. There's only been 5,000 NFL players. I mean, I understand the whole they're not, you know, powerhouse names and stuff, but uh, listen, I don't know. I just feel like if Dable was able to do that with him, imagine what he can do with a rookie quarterback with higher But who are you going to get? You know I mean, are you going to go out and draft a quarterback at the 20th pick in the draft or wherever the Giants would be picking? Same situation that they again? had in Buffalo. Yeah, same situation they had in Buffalo. They was picking in the 20s. They did a double trade. To get their guy. I mean, if you want your guy, you, you give up whatever you want to get your guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, I, I, that's I hear the you, Joe. problem. I, I mean, I personally wouldn't. You know, I, I don't know. I would love, you know, Anthony Richardson to have him sit back down. He has the intangibles. You know, he shows upside, and, and he's doing what he did in college without a quarterback coach or, you know, a, a, a offensive uh, system that works to his strength. So there's a lot of guys out there. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's up to management who they want. That's somebody I would be interested in. And I feel as if he has, you know, physical tools and better upside than Daniel Jones is right now. And ah. definitely uh, you can build a better roster with an $8 million cap hit rather than 25 Look, Johnny, I hear you. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's going to be guys in the draft every single year. The idea, and thanks for the phone call, the idea that he would not have a market I think is completely wrong. Teams are looking for quarterbacks all year, every year. Uh, and as great as we'll make all these guys out to be before the draft, the, the, the hit rate, even in the first round, is not even 50-50. So uh, the fact that this guy has played, you, you kind of know his strengths and weaknesses. He's played actually in the NFL. It's not a projection. Uh, I definitely think that there would be a market for Daniel Jones. There would be more than enough teams. The Jets themselves would be, would be um, crazy not to pursue him. Now, that it's not going to get to that point because the, the Giants are not going to let. And, I mean, the, the finger was always kind of on the scale. Like, it was never like – it always seemed like coming into the season, well, the Giants are going to have to find their quarterback. But you know the Giants and who they are and who their ownership is, they, they want the stability at that position. So if, if Daniel Jones, even if, he fought, if he, even if he showed less than he did this year, I think he would have stayed on at, at the quarterback position. But now I, 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 I would be stunned if someone other than Daniel Jones was the week one starter next year or that Daniel Jones wasn't brought back. He is, he's answered all the questions this year, and uh, the last thing the Giants want to be doing is, is starting all over again. I mean, they've already done that a bunch here, not at the quarterback position, but a coach, GM, all these, and, and they still have a lot of work to do. Once you have solved the quarterback, like they feel like they've solved the quarterback, you're not, you're not going to undo that and, and, and jump back into that, uh, that whole pot again and, and try to find the new guy when you've already got a guy who's pretty good. Let's go out to Jose is in Brooklyn. Jose. Next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Good afternoon, GD. How's it going? Hey, Jose. What's going on, man? I'm doing all right. I had a quick Giants point, and then um, with the with the wild card game, I think if they could actually um, jump out to an early early lead, they can possibly fluster Kirk Cousins, and but also keep the ball away as well by using the run game. But um, I wanted to also talk about the Jets' offensive coordinator point. I think that the reason the coordinators are always under constant scrutiny is sometimes when you have a defense that's ahead of the offense, uh, people just want to look for the blame. And with Zach Wilson, the Jets just don't want to accept that they picked an over, they picked a bust and you've got people like Steve Young pretty much pointing the finger at LaFleur, saying that they didn't treat him with the kid gloves and yada, yada, yada. And it just comes to a situation where it's like, we don't have a quarterback. And as soon as we have a quarterback, that's when we can actually justify firing an offensive coordinator because Whenever Zach Wilson wasn't the quarterback, we were we, the offense was always moving the ball. 
So that that's been my point with with the with the whole um, situation with the Jets. Yeah, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, and Jose, thanks for the phone call. Um, I'm not telling you that Mike Lafleur is going to go someplace else and become a great offensive coordinator. Maybe he has to take a step back and be a quarterbacks coach or something like that. But if we were going to sports court and we were going to argue in in favor of who is to blame for the Jets' offensive doldrums. I think there's a whole lot more evidence on, on Zach Wilson being the real issue than there is on, on, um, on Mike LaFleur. Now, I'm not saying Mike LaFleur was, was, was perfect, but again, that's part of the problem. See, the Jets, I think the consistent problem that they have when they're picking these people is they are picking people for what they can be rather than what they are right now. So they're picking people who have never been coaches before. They're picking coordinators who might not have been coordinators or play callers before where that's the one thing that they got to get right this next time. They got to go out. And to me, again, the, the coordinator is not nearly as important as the quarterback, but it can't be a first-time coordinator. It can't be the hot knee. It's got to be somebody who's established themselves in that position, who has been a play caller before, and who's going to work well with whoever the quarterback. Quarterback is the first decision. The offensive coordinator, to me, is not as important of a position. You have to get the right quarterback, and then getting somebody who can work with that guy moving forward but it always feels like the Jets well this this guy's ceiling in a few years and he, he has the highest ceiling sometimes you got to get the safest floor and and that's part of the problem with Zach Wilson like people will say about well you know other people have been able to turn things around they're not always successes right away and that's true Josh Allen's an example of that too is an example of that Eli to a certain degree was a case of that I had somebody tweeting me about uh, Drew Brees during the week those are true none of those guys they're, none of them had a floor as low as Zach Wilson has been in these first two years. None. You cannot find me somebody who turned out to be successful and had a floor that low, at least not in my lifetime. Maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody from the 60s or something like that. But again, if you got to go back to the 60s and 70s to prove a point, maybe you're, you're, you're actually showing that, it, that that can't be the case anymore. The world has changed a lot in the last 50 years. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. You know, we're talking a lot of Jets, Giants, a lot of football with the wild card weekend getting underway here. Um, You know, I was going to, we'll do the picks at 6 o'clock, but just to be on the record because we're not doing the cover five anymore. I was leaning towards Seahawks in this game when the weather was supposed to be nasty. It's the division game, third match of all those type of things. After looking at what the weather looks like, it looks pretty good out there. It's kind of hard to be going against uh, the Niners with as well as they play. But look, here's the thing. You know that Brock Purdy, is, he's got to have a game here at some point where he looks like a seventh-round pick. It's not normal to look as good as – now, I get it. He has been put in a great situation, but he has really lived up to the, the – I mean, I can't get over that this guy has played this well just being plopped in after being a seventh-round pick this year. And, and the Niners, they are stacked. They have individual skill players on really both sides of the ball who just jump off the page at you. So it's kind of hard to, with the way they are rolling right now, hard to uh, envision them not uh, being able to pull out this game. And I think the last I saw it was nine and a half. I kept waiting for the line to get up over 10, but it did not get there. So if I had to, I would, I would lay off this game. But if I were betting, uh, I would uh, be probably leaning towards the Niners slightly after leading Seahawks a little bit. I, I just find it hard to believe that Pete Carroll is going to get blown out. But you go back and you look at history, generally double-digit uh, 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 favorites in this round. They generally cover. So 
I will stick uh, with the Niners there. Now, when we talk about the Jets, I've seen a lot of this about, you know, clearly the number one question this offseason is about the quarterback and, and people are putting together lists about quarterbacks. To, if, of the people that would seem realistic, like not even realistic, that's probably the wrong word, of the people that seem like they might have some availability this offseason, to me, it really comes down to the two guys that are going to be probably free agents. It's going to come to, you'd have to put it like 65-35 Garoppolo, Derek Carr. Because it doesn't seem like Garoppolo is going to be back with the Niners. And we know that Carr is not going to be back with the Raiders. Carr has a no-trade clause, which makes it nearly impossible to trade him, given all that has to happen and his contract and all that type of stuff. So he's almost certainly going to be a free agent. But when you're putting together these lists, can we stop with Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson's not going to be, come on. I mean, come back to us here on planet Earth, Lamar Jackson. Come on. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers. Same thing with Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not going to be a Jet. Hasn't he suffered with the FTX stuff? Come on. He's not, he, what, he's going to suffer more? Going through a divorce? No, he's not going to be a Jet. So you can throw, you know, there's a lot of these people that are showing up on these lists that it, it, don't even bother wasting the space on the internet, which is endless. I don't want to hear about Ryan Tannehill. I don't want to hear about Jared Goff. I don't want to hear about Gardner Minshew. Oh, dear. I'll say this right now. If Joe Douglas facing an unofficial playoff mandate next year, if his answer to the quarterback position in a year where it's make or break is Gardner Minshew, fire him right then and there. As soon as, the, soon as the pen goes to paper, if that's, the, if that's the solution to the position, cash in the chips right then and there. Don't want to hear it. It's over. It's, it's over, Johnny. It's over. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go to, uh, let's hear. Mike is in Queens. Mike, what's going on? GD, what's good? Hey, Mike, what's going on, pal? You know me, I can't complain. So I got two points, one with the Dolphins and one with the Knicks. Okay. So I'm going to go to my Dolphins first because I'm a big Fins fan. Oh you know, go Fins. I'm poor, happy we're in the playoffs. How old are you, Mike? How old are you? I'm 40, I'm 40 years old. Oh, dear God, Mike, you've wasted your football life. You've wasted <laughs> your football life, Mike. I, I know we haven't been good for a long time, but, you know, yeah. we, we, we've, been, we've been there. We've been going to battle with the Jets for a long time. The classic Monday night games, run, Ricky, run. You know, yep. that, that's, those are my era right there. So, okay. I mean, you know, I, I love to hate the Jets. But my point of the Dolphins, um, let me say this. I, I believe that they handled the tool situation incorrectly as far as injury. You know, they didn't take care of the guy as, as they should. I believe that McDaniels expected too much out of him, and, and, and he drove him actually to injury. And, you know, just his mentality of wanting him, wanting him not to let his coach down and things like that. So I believe that's what happened to Tua. And another thing I want to say about the Dolphins, we're going to get Derek Carr. And if we do, I believe we're going to make it to the Super Bowl next year. The reason why I say that is <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm so serious, GD. I'm serious. The reason uh -huh, why I say it is because uh -huh. our defense is going to improve, one. We're already top ten defense. We're already top ten when? defense. When, when one. top and ten then, defense? Right now? No, I mean, I, I mean, in, in early in the season, we were top 10. I uh, mean, we did drift it off a little bit. We did drift a little, a little bit with those 30-40-point yeah. games. But, yeah. I mean, we, we were up. We were teetering up there for, yeah. for a little while teetering during, during the season. Yeah. But my thing is, is once we get Derek Carr, it's going to make our offense dramatically better. Yeah. Because he's going to definitely hit 
Tyreek Hill, and he's going to love Jay. He's going to love those receivers that he has right now. Plus, he's definitely going to get the sticky the ball. And that's the main thing that we've been missing this year. Tua passing to Kasiki. That's why he's been getting hurt so much. All those quick passes, Jalen Water and, and Hill, cool. But you also have a, a, a let out in Kasiki, which you didn't use this year. So now I'm gonna get to the Knicks, and I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you go ahead and, 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 and rack my brain. Okay. We need shooters. Yes. We need shooters, GD. Yep. Yep. That's what, that's just plain and simple. We have no shooters. The three guys that we have now, the three the three lefty monsters, are all paint guys. Am I correct? Yep. Yeah, no. So absolutely. now we need we need three we need we need shooters. That's why it hurts it hurts me when we left, when we lost Bullock and and he doesn't play Fournier because I'm watching the game the other day and he put Fournier in for like five or ten minutes and this guy's like you know giving him good minutes off the bench and he's a shooter he's gonna give us those threes that we need all the you're letting RJ shoot out. I, I get it but he's not a three point shooter Randall is not really a three point shooter he's a paint guy. Let them guys dominate the paint like we've been doing these past, what, 15, 20 games. We've been leading, we've been getting paint points like crazy. So I don't get it why we just don't surround these guys with shooters. You understand what I'm saying? Even if we have to go small, which we, we, we're not going to be, be too small because we have Mitch in the middle, and then we have RJ who's 6'9, so 6'8, 6'9, 6'7, 6'8. You understand what I'm saying? And Randall, those, those guys are big monsters down there, and they're very strong. You understand what I'm saying? So they dominate the paint. All we need is the Serrano's guys with shooters. With shooters, Brunson, I love. I, I had my doubts with him when he before he came in, but now I'm I'm, I'm in love. I'm not even gonna lie because I wanted Javante Murray, but mm-hmm. that's a good constellation prize, GD. And I'm, yeah, I'm no, not I mean, even gonna lie. Sensational. To you. I mean, what more could you say? But, and Mike, thanks for the phone call. Yeah, I mean, it's not too hard to see the Knicks definitely. I mean, they, I think they have two guys who are shooting uh, above 34% from outside uh, among the guys who regularly play. But, I mean, Tibbs has made it clear, and the problem that uh, Fournier has and anybody who's not playing has, if you do not play defense, you are not going to play. That, I mean, it's, it's, just, that, it's just that simple. And, and Fournier is never going to be a lockdown defender. We've, we've definitely seen that. But here's the thing about the Knicks is that it's almost good that they have such a glaring weakness because you would think that that would make it easier uh, to address it before the trade deadline. And we have like less than a month to go before the trade deadline. And it seems like the Knicks have some pieces to be able to be moved, including draft picks, including some players on the team that other teams might find. Now it's just about identifying who is that, who is that outside shooter that, or, or shooters that can come here and kind of add to what the Knicks have done. But uh, it's been impressive. You know, in terms of the Dolphins, I don't know what they're going to do after this season. Uh, it would just be guessing. Uh, I, I would guess that they're probably going to stick with Tua, even though it's clear that this guy should not be playing NFL football. You know what the problem with Tua is? Tua is really tough. He's a tough guy. But he's tough mentally. Like, his physically, he can't withstand the punishment that he's enduring. But mentally... Most people would see that and be like, oh, forget it. I just can't do it. No, but he's sticking with it, even though physically his body is just like all of us, like most of us would not be able to withstand the punishment of the NFL. Um, but I would, I would guess that they're probably going to stick with him uh, another year and see if it's going to uh, click next year. The, I mean, it's just so, it's so obvious that this, it's not a knee injury. It's not a back injury. It's concussions. These things just continue to get worse. And you take a look at the hits that he suffered this year, whether you believe he suffered three concussions or two concussions, whatever you think. Look at the hits. They're not 
they're not hits that you look at and you go, oh, my God. You know, there, there, there are those hits in NFL games every single week. And you think to yourself, man, how can these guys get up? With Tua's hits, they're kind of routine plays. So if you're not even withstanding those kind of plays, I don't know how you can be uh, relied upon. And, um, you know, with the Dolphins, ha- I always say that uh, Dan Marino, a great Hall of Fame player, that guy, by being as great as he was, has ruined more fans' sporting lives because he is more responsible probably than anybody for why fans root for a specific team because he was the one great thing that they had when he was there. They haven't had anything really great since, since he was gone, not certainly to that level, and they've never won. They've never won. And since he's left, they haven't, won, they haven't come close to really winning anything. I mean, it's been 23 years since they've won a playoff game, so... Oh, man, what, 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 if I only had it to do over again. I blame parenting. At the end of the day, the teams you root for, it's all based on parent. So, like, if you're a parent and you're forcing your kid to root for a team that you've never seen one, to me, that's bad parenting. If you're, if you're a Dolphin fan and you force your child to become a Dolphin fan, that's like uh, the parents that force their kids to work in the coal mines. You know, like, you know that's bad for them. Let them go to college. Let them enjoy life. Don't force them to work in the coal mines. Just because you did it doesn't mean it's good for them. You know it's not good. But such is life. Such is life. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. All right, let's go back to the phones here. We'll go out to uh, Lewis is in Brooklyn. Lewis, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon. I was in Brooklyn when I first called. I'm in the Bronx now. Ah, but, sorry. Um, it's been a while. It's been a very busy show, yeah, Lewis. I apologize. I, I, go ahead. You know, chat today, so it wasn't that long, but, uh, but it was a nice little drop. But like I told the producer, I wasn't going to call. I was listening to the show. I was enjoying the show. And then Omar called in, and he said something that maybe said, hmm, because you said Patrick Ewan deserved to have his jersey retired because of success. And I asked the producer, what success are you talking about? Because I know Mike kept uh, Patrick Ewan from getting, putting a ring on his finger his whole career. So uh, to me, I feel like Patrick Ewan and Carmelo are kind of like the same. They didn't get no. there. They didn't get no chips for their team, and they were pretty good players for the team. So I think Carmelo should get his jersey retired. Well, look, I mean, part of it is that Ewing played, you know, mo- the, the bulk of his career with the Knicks, whereas Melo started with, you know, uh, with, with Denver and then came here. Oh, yeah, and all that right, type right. Yeah, I forgot stuff. about I mean, that. I forgot Ewing about Ewing is, right. is a franchise cornerstone player. I mean, he played almost his entire career with the Knicks, whereas Melo, he came here. There was no deep playoff. You know, Knicks – you know, they got to the finals once. They had Eastern Conference finals year in and year out at a time. So, I mean, it's not even close to me. Patrick Ewing rightfully deserves his jersey retired uh, well, I, as someone who course. was drafted by the organization, and Melo does not. Right, right. I'm, I'm, I wasn't arguing the part about Patrick Ewing. I was just saying that maybe right. Carmelo could get – I mean, he could get he could get his jersey retired, but I forgot about the fact that he, really, he wasn't really here that long. Yeah. The other point I wanted to make, or when they were talking about the Jets, because I'm a Giants fan. I love the Giants. I'm, I'm, I don't care whether they win or lose tomorrow. I'm, I'm just happy that they're back, back being relevant. But as far as the Jets, everybody wondering why their offense is never – they never hire an offensive coordinator. If you look at the playoffs right now, 10 out of the 14 coaches that are in the playoffs are offensive coordinated head coaches. That, 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 that means something, that, especially when you're trying to develop a quarterback. You can't develop a quarterback with a defensive head coach. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to work. The last defensive head coach that had success was Bill Belichick. That's the only one, actually, because no other head coach really has done as well as Bill Belichick. And well, I'm I mean, there, 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 I mean, there are some, you know, Pete Carroll was a defensive guy. Um, oh, yeah, there, there, there are examples. But, you know, the problem is, Lewis, and thanks for the phone call, is that if you get, 
you know, you hire the defensive coach, and then you got to go out and get the, the, the right offensive coordinator. And if you do land the right offensive coordinator, we all see what happens. What happens? That guy the next year is going to get a head coaching job. He's going to be the hot name. So it's almost like you almost have to go out. Now, now if you already have the quarterback and he's established, maybe then you can go. Uh, but to me, yeah, if, if I were ever in the, in the market for, for a new head coach, I would be looking offensive side of the ball for sure. And it's not about being the play caller, but it's just that, you know, you know that if, if you don't have that guy, at least then you can have some stability on the offensive side of the ball. And, and offense is where the, 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 the main focus is with NFL teams and especially at the quarterback position. So, yeah, if, if the Jets after this year, if they're in the quarterback market, and I think that's one of the things they've done consistently, uh, they've, they've hired on the, the defensive side of the ball. The one exception <laughs> was Adam Gase. So obviously there are exceptions to every rule. But no, if the Jets are in the, in the, court, in the uh, coaching market next year, clearly they should be looking for an offensive head coach. And not just an offensive head coach, not just the hot offensive coordinator, not just the hot offensive play caller. It has to be someone who has a track record, somebody who comes with a resume in that position. It cannot be some first-time guy again. And it does make you wonder, like, are they getting first-time guys simply because they don't realize it? Or are they getting first-time guys because established guys say, you know what, I'm not going to the Jets. I'll go someplace else. That ha- it has to at least be considered. has to be at least considered. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Jacob, I don't know what to do. The, the calls are jam-packed. Usually 5 o'clock we do what I learned on TikTok. Do, what do we do here? This is, a, this is a producer's decision. Do we stick with what's hot or do we go to what I learned on TikTok? I think we just got to keep rolling with the calls. Keep rolling with the calls. We All gotta, right, we'll keep rolling with the calls. Ja- Jacob has spoken. He, he's putting off what I learned on TikTok because he doesn't want to get embarrassed again. But I think it's the right call. We'll continue with your phone calls next. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.